Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Hello and welcome to Football Social Daily. It's Thursday. We're slap bang in the middle of another football filled week. We've got an absolute load to go through on today's podcast. There was three games last night, there's another four tonight. There's another one on Friday. I don't think there's any lack of Premier League football any day from now until, I think it's next Friday, so there's plenty to keep you going. And as you should know by now, we are the only place you can come for daily Premier League podcasts, Football Social Daily. Welcome along if you're joining for the first time, and welcome back if you're coming back as a returning punter, because you can't get enough of our great (laughs) banter and insight into this crazy season we're having. Um, But we're going to go straight into it today. Joining me... On today, I'm Marley Anderson. We've also got Niall McCorn. Hi, mate. And we've also got a perennial low, uh, lower league supporter. <laughs> we've got Lee Whitehouse as well. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm not, not too badly. Are you, uh, how, how are you coping with the uh, the scramble that is the championship uh, promotion dogfight as a West Brom fan? It's just stress, 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 and more stress. We're making it so hard work. It's unbelievable. Um, I had us to be done by now. But um, two games, win them both, we get promoted. That's, that's how it's got to, the, the guys, the players are going to be looking at it now. It's all right. Yo-Yo West Brom will be in the championship before long again anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, it's all right. I've got no qualms with that. I get bored of the Premier League anyway. Going into a season and losing... Um, losing two thirds of your fixtures. In, you know. I tell you what, it's Lee's uh, Lee's ambition to get into the Premier League and then possibly go bouncing back out of it again. But we'll be focusing on the teams, but trying to uh, survive in the Premier League on today's podcast, as well as the uh, incredible sort of you know, five-way scrap that is the uh, the race for the Europa League and Champions League places. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, with the main. The main story on uh, on this Thursday, and that is Wednesday night's Liverpool latest. I wouldn't say collapse, but I would say the defeat, which makes Manchester City have one of the best weeks 
they must have had since they won the title uh, last year. I think it's it's arguably the best week of their season, and they've only beaten Bournemouth this season, uh, this week. Uh, they beat Bournemouth two one, and of course, of course, uh, Liverpool lost to Arsenal, which, as is uh, going to please all Man City fans, Liverpool can now not win the uh, well, cannot take the record of the hundred point season that Man City posted two years ago. Uh, they can only reach ninety nine points, and they've still got Chelsea to play, so they might not even get get that far. Um, but guys, what I wanted to ask you is. I know this might seem a little bit uh, a little bit of a stretch, but do we think Liverpool should have done more this season, or do we think they're enough? They're going to be happy enough with with the with the first title in years because they they were talking about the quadruple, they were talking about the treble, the double, the retaining the Champions League, and then finally the hundred points uh, taking Man City's record. But it's all gone, hasn't it, Niall? It's all it's all evaporated and. Should they have more to show from this from this season, or is it just a case of well, we've got the title and that's all we really wanted? I don't think they're going to be disappointed with a Premier League title, and I think if you look on social media over the next few days and probably speak to our resident Liverpool fan Stephen McNaughton, he'll say, "Listen, we've won the Premier League, we're happy." But I do think you got a point, Marley, because the position that they put themselves in was incredible. I mean, they were in the Champions League knockout stages. They were in the FA Cup um, reasonably deep. But, you know, it, it was just disappointing for them that they kind of, the wheels kind of came off, but they did get the crown that they wanted was the Premier League, you know, uh, and they did win the Club World Cup as well. Let's not forget about that. I, I mean, I'm not really sure who really cares about that competition except Liverpool fans, but there you go. It's another trophy in the trophy cabinet for them. And let's not make any bones about it. They've dominated this season. They've absolutely dominated. Since Project Restart began, they've been poorer than what we've seen throughout the rest of the season. But that's to be expected. I think they knew that it was kind of the last stretch, so to speak. And it was a bit like the 100-metre sprint where... You know, Usain Bolt, when he won the uh, the 100 metres in the Olympics back in Beijing, where he was so far ahead, he kind of just cantered over the line. He didn't go full steam ahead over the line when he won that gold medal. He just sort of eased off and jogged over the finish line and was still miles ahead of everyone else. That's what this season feels like for Liverpool, particularly in a Premier League context. But they will be disappointed that they didn't break... Manchester City's 100 point mark because there has been a bit of a little feud boiling up between those two clubs and I think Manchester City fans and Liverpool fans will admit that I mean it's been good for the Premier League it's been healthy that those two sides have kind of developed a new rivalry it makes things a little bit more spicy moving forward in the seasons to come but it would just be as you say typically good natured to make fun and poke fun of Liverpool if they do reached 99 points and not 100 because they missed out on the league by a point last season they might have missed won the league decision but it looks like they could miss out on the record by a point if they win the next couple of games that they've got between now and the end of the season so yeah unbelievable week for Man City Liverpool I don't think will be too bothered um does anyone really remember points records anyway that would be my question um it's a pub quiz question isn't it who's got the most points in the Premier League season it was 100 points for Manchester City first time it's been done but when Chelsea won it with 90 odd points under Mourinho everyone just remembered Chelsea dominating that season no one really goes oh they got 95 points didn't they most points ever it's not really a stick to beat everyone with I think you summed it up quite nicely Marley the other day where you said doesn't matter if you lose 10-0 or 1-0 you still don't get any points for it 
you just get a bit of a boost in goal difference. And I think that's the same with this. doesn't matter if you win the league by one point or 50 points. You still win the same title. You're still lifting the same trophy. It's just something extra to gloat about. Well, yeah, it is something to gloat about. And something there Man City fans were gloating about last night was the the absolute, uh, you know, the sort of collapse that Liverpool had had and, and finally something that they could hang on to with the with the 100-point centurion, uh, centurion record. But is it... Um, is it fair to 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 rub this in? I mean, Lee Nile uh, mentioned there about you know Usain Bolt um, comparing it to the hundred meter race and you know him easing off when he when he knew he'd won it. Um, but there's 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 arguably um, uh, uh, something further you could go into and say that Bolt was saving his energy for his other his other races. Um, that's something Liverpool haven't done this year, have they? They've they've not they. Deliberately sacrificed the FA Cup, didn't he, and practically the Carling Cup uh, to try and win the league. So was it always always just project number one to to win that first Premier League title? Lee? Yeah, I think reality is that that was always going to be the goal this year for them. Uh, you know, they've already won the Champions League. They were in the final. You know, they won last year. They were in the final the year before. You know, I don't, I don't think their um, you know their focus was around any other trophy. You can see that by the way that you know. Yes, they they were kind of forced into reduce or um, a younger squad for the FA Cup. Uh, you know, big, the big clubs always opt to put their second string out of the League Cup anyway. So yeah, I mean, the, the the league was their um, was their focus. They've achieved that. Well done to them. I mean, Niles right that they they have been extre- extremely impressive this year up until Project Restart. Really, I think they've been obviously the. I think sometimes we forget the level of intensity that these guys are expected to play at. We know what Klopp does. And, you know, once you've got over the line, sometimes it can be like a release and go, we're doing it. And, you know, and, and you can, and they, they probably earn the right to be a bit of 5% off um, the games because of how, because of what they did to put in beforehand. Um, and that 5% at this level, we know, makes all the difference. That said, though, I've got to say, I, I do disagree with Nile a little bit around the way the season's ending for them. They, they are now not, you know, not to have that record. They were... You know, one point everyone's saying they're going to you know, win everything and they're going to have be this unbelievable team. They're now, you know, they're not going to be remembered in the same regard as Man United's treble winning team or the the Arsenal unbeaten uh, unbeatables or you know they're not they don't have the record of being the best ever team in in the Premier League in terms of points. So actually, what what does that make them become in this season? Is they won one trophy? No different to what Blackburn did all those years ago. No different to what Leicester did a couple of years ago. You know they've won it once, and they're just enough. They've just won it once for me. I, I you know, they've got to go and win it again now. I think that's got to be the focus for Klopp because if he wants, because they've missed that opportunity this year, they've got to go and become the team that retains the title, which only two other teams have done in the last decade, and that's going to be an even bigger ask because we know Strongman City will, will come back next year, um, but. I think, unfortunately, my my personal view is on this. Uh, you know, like I say, that it's an even lesser story than the Leicester one because Leicester were just so underdogs all that year. Liverpool were always in the race this year. We always expected them to go and and give City a push, and they've gone and done that in the end. They've done it. I can't say granted, but they've ended the season with a whimper, and uh, it's a shame because that that team had so much promise. But um, before we went into lockdown, I think as well. I think with with Liverpool, you know, being so dominant, I think if they'd have won the, if they'd have got the hundred points, 
you know, I mean, everyone talks about you know Liverpool fans, you know, being a little bit unbearable and and all over it on social media and 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 in real life and and what have you. But they, if they'd have got hundred and hundred points, hundred and four points, whatever it was, they it would be genuinely hard to argue with a Liverpool fan that they weren't the best Premier League team of all time because they could always. They could always hide behind, and not hide behind, but use that record of we got 104 points in a season. What have your club ever got? And it would have been so hard to then, to then sort of argue against that that they would they had the best Premier League season of all time. There might not have been. There's still obviously always going to be a debate about well, who was the best Premier League uh, side of all time in terms of was it the Invincibles? Was it the '99 Man United team? Was it the the Chelsea team that only conceded 15 goals? But They've, they they might have missed an opportunity there because, I mean, I think one of the the things about the the Man City fans on on social media last night was they were so loud about um, about Man City uh, their record remaining intact that I think a lot of it was out of relief because a lot of it I think a lot of them would have expected Liverpool to definitely get a hundred points this season with the the run in but they, they dropped points at Burnley. Uh, the weekend, and they they've obviously lost to Arsenal last night. So, I think maybe it's all it's all a bit of relief um, for for the uh, Man City fans that that they've uh, that Liverpool have kind of blew it, but still hell of a result for Liverpool, as we've said to to win the league this early and to win the league this late in terms of the calendar year as well. But I'm sure they'll be back next year, and it's time to uh, time to go again and try and prove yourself and have that that longevity that other teams have had. But Anyway, right, we've moved on now. We'll move on from Liverpool. We're sure we're going to talk about Liverpool and Man City's rivalry plenty in the future, but we're going to move on to uh, the northeast and where Jose Mourinho got his first ever league win at St James's Park last night as Spurs beat Newcastle 3-1. Um, don't want to spend too much time on this for obvious reasons as a, as a Newcastle fan who watched the game and uh, was slightly uh, annoyed at how it, how it played out, but... Um, I'm just looking at the Europa League slash Champions League uh, positions in the table, and it's so tight. I mean, have Tottenham with the win over Arsenal in the North London derby and that win last night against Newcastle, which is obviously a tough place to go with Mourinho's record there and everything like that. Have they hit form just at the right time, Lee, or is it um, is it too late? Because as it stands, they're a point behind Wolves. They're four behind Man United, but could go back down to eighth tonight if Sheffield United beat Leicester. I don't know. Every time I watch Tottenham this year, I just get more and more frustrated watching Mourinho's face. Um, he always looks miserable. And playing, I guess every time I watch them, there's always been Harry Kane playing in his own third um, rather than the attacking you know, rather than in the attacking third. So I don't think they, I don't think um, they'll they'll get there. If I'm honest, I think the clubs. I mean, it's amazing. It's like two weeks ago, I was sat on the show on a Thursday, um, and I was, and it was before Sheffield United played Spurs, and I was saying that Sheffield United look like they're just, you know, should be happy with the season on the beach, and now look at them, they're flying the season. I mean, they beat Chelsea, um, I mean Chelsea, Spurs, and Wolves, and drew uh, to Burnley in that period. So, I don't see Sheffield United giving it up. Uh, I know they got Leicester tonight. That's gonna be a really tough game for them, but. Um, the other thing is Wolves. I mean, they've got such a good team as well at the minute. I'd like to see, I'd like to see a Wolves or a Sheffield United, you know, just to keep Mourinho's smug look off the. I don't think they deserve to be in there anyway. I think it'd be good to see, uh, you know, Wolves or a Sheffield United beating them to it. To be honest. 
Now, would you agree? Do you think? Uh, do you think there should, deserves to be some fresh blood in the uh, in the Europa League spots, or has Mourinho done enough? Because they, I, I'd probably agree with Lee. I don't think they've improved in terms of style. Have they? They've just sort of ground out a couple of wins from nowhere. I think they were probably the second favourite in the North London derby, to be honest. And to see them seventh and Arsenal ninth is uh, a little bit of a, a, a shock because you'd probably say Arsenal have been playing better, but. The league table suggests otherwise, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think you're right. It would be cool to see some new faces in the Europa League next season. And what we've got to remember is that with Manchester City's UEFA ban being overturned, fifth place does not get Champions League, which means that those Europa League spots don't drop down to eighth. So it does stay at just three spots for next season, fifth, sixth and seventh, which is currently occupied by Man United, Wolves and Tottenham in seventh, as we've been suggesting. However, I think we need to do, I think we do need to take a look at Leicester City. Um, They'll still have top four ambitions, understandably, and it's kind of between them and Manchester United. I know Wolves are three behind, but it's kind of between them and Manchester United for Champions League. With the form that Leicester are in, the way that they lost 4-1 to Bournemouth last time out, I can see them dropping down into fifth and pinching a Europa League spot instead of a Champions League spot. I think Manchester United are probably the favourites out of the two. If you're looking at form and stuff like that, I think Man United will get into the Champions League. So I do think that Leicester will drop down into that fifth spot, which kind of adds um, a new element to the mix because Manchester United, I think, play Leicester on the final day of the season and Chelsea have still got Wolves to play. And so like it, it is so exciting, as you said at the top of the show, Marley, it is like this five-way dance for, for, for European spots. I mean, Burnley won't have felt that they're out of it with their draw last night which I'm sure we'll come on to but it's just one of those things where you just can't pick who's going to get into it I think you're probably right in terms of the style of play it feels like Arsenal have been playing more attractive football though their project restart began in terrible fashion they lost two in a row to City and Brighton but yeah Spurs I mean they got the job done and that seems to be the way that they've been operating under Jose Mourinho and they've been getting the job done but not as convincingly as they were under their former manager I mean they've scored a fair amount of goals this season 57 which is better than Arsenal better than Wolves um, and uh, only four behind Manchester United in fifth so Tottenham seems to have been able to find the back of the net on a regular basis Son scored a good goal last night Kane being the marksman that he is just popping up in the right place at the right time with a couple of relatively simple headers by his standards so yeah I think that the quality of players that Tottenham have got is kind of shone through I think sometimes you kind of just are relying on your players having a little bit more than the opposition and that seems to be what Tottenham have done rather than kind of blazing their way through everyone and blasting their way into Europa League spot they've been kind of picking up results here and there and you wouldn't put it past Jose Mourinho to to confirm that Europa League spot with their two games left against um, Leicester next and then Crystal Palace of course yeah, there's some great games coming up, isn't there? I mean, we talk about how, how tight it is, and then in the next couple of weeks, I think everyone's playing each other. But, I mean, you mentioned Burnley there, and Burnley um, got a draw last night against Wolves with a 95th-minute penalty. Uh, that was uh, another spoiler. I think Burnley have just become the spoilers in the last couple of weeks, haven't they? They've they've spoiled Liverpool's perfect home record by drawing with them, and then they've spoiled Wolves' chance to really get a sort of iron grip on that uh, on sixth place by costing them two points. And then uh, and then obviously Wolves last night, their draw leaves them in danger of being caught by Sheffield United because if Sheffield United go and beat Leicester tonight in the in the other game, they could go above um above Spurs into seventh and then everything's different again and above Wolves into sixth. So Sheffield United will be in the top six. And it's just, 
it's one of the it's one of the tightest seasons I've ever seen in in recent years. Outside the top two, and possibly you can throw Chelsea in there as well. But from fourth to ninth is so so tight. But did anyone see the Wolves game last night? I think Jimenez's goal was a ridiculous strike. But I just want to talk quickly about the the whole the handball situation that that got Burnley their ninety fifth minute penalty and and what we think of that because. When the ball's bouncing around in in the box, Lee, it's it's hard for everyone to to sort of go for it in in the way they did without something happening. I mean, uh, Matt Doherty nearly got kicked in the head. Um, he protected himself. He literally was going to get Chris Wood's boot in his face, um, and as a result, he uh, he gave away a handball. But what are your thoughts on on that? Because you can clearly see why he had his his arm where he where he did right. I, I felt I felt for the Wolves last night. I thought they'd um, they they'd done enough really. I like you say um, the Jimenez goal was uh, it was I mean the way he took it, absolutely brilliant finish. Um, it was a bit of a boring game, granted, but uh, yeah, those decisions sometimes you, you'd like to see a bit of common sense um, brought in brought into the game. But then again, you know if the if by the letter of the letter of the law, if that's if that's Deemed a penalty, then that's deemed a penalty. I, I looked at, you know, at, at first um, when I was, I was actually chatting to a lot of my mates um, who were Wolves fans at the time, and they were just they were they were outraged, uh, as, as of course you would be if it happened against you. Um, he, I think the whole the whole handball situation, and I think we've probably been a talking point all season ever since uh, the. Um, the Man City goal was disallowed against Spurs at the very start of the season. If you remember, they scored in the last minute and they, and they ended up drawing the game because it was Jesus's goal was disallowed. And everyone was like, that's just a ridiculous handball. But it is a letter of the law. Uh, but I think it all needs kind of either reviewing or just clearly clarifying what the rule is. So I think over time, you've had the, the ball-to-hand issue. You've got, well, his arms in an, un, un, you know, an orthodox place and all these different interpretations well I think it just needs to be made very clear at the start and then no one can sit and, and moan about it and and feel it you know um feel hard done to in a game because it's just it's so difficult in the modern game anyway. and as, you, as you've, you've been saying these games mean so much mm. you know that that could be the difference for Wolves in terms of, it could even be the difference for Wolves in a Champions League spot never mind a you know a European spot and it you know, if you if everyone's got clear clarity at the very start of the season, then no one can have a moan at the end when it goes against them. Mm, I agree with Lee. To be honest, I think that he's absolutely spot on there, and I think you know we've seen the introduction of five substitutes uh, being allowed since Project Restart, and that's going to carry on. Um, we've found out that that's going to be implemented for next season, although the Premier League don't have to get on board with that if they don't want to. I'm sure we'll talk about that on another podcast. But for me, why are you changing the subs rule when the handball rule is clear as mud? That's the thing we should be changing, the handball rule, because nobody knows what is and what isn't a handball, and I don't think even the referees know. And, you know, people say, well, what about VAR? VAR's there to kind of overturn the howler from the referee. I don't think Mike Dean made a howler last night. And if I was a Wolves fan, I'd probably disagree with my opinion there and say that's a stinking decision. But it's one of those decisions where VAR can't even really get involved, because as far as I'm concerned, he's gone up to head the ball and it's hit his arm in the box if it hits your arm in the box, 
if I'm on the opposite team, whether I think it's ball to hand or not, I'm going to be screaming for a penalty with Europa League ambition still alive. If you're a Burnley player, you're going to be going absolutely berserk at the referee saying it's a penalty, it's a penalty. And you would actually probably feel hard done by yourself as a Burnley player if that wasn't given as a penalty. So I think that is a really tough one to call. And you're talking about 50-50 decisions and VAR being forensic. If Mike Dean had said no penalty, I think I would have come on here today on today's podcast and said, fair enough, could have been a penalty. Mike Dean didn't think so. It just goes to show how refereeing and football is subjective. Um, I did think it was harsh. I mean, I think the argument from Wolves fans was more the boot to the face, as you mentioned, Marley. You know, Chris Wood, he's a big guy, but he's entitled to go for an overhead kick in the box. He's entitled to. It's like Peter Crouch always used to get penalised for high foots and pulling defenders to the ground when he was just a tall man. And, you know, if he wanted to go and overhead kick the ball, the likelihood is because of his height, he was going to end up putting his boot near someone's face. Whereas if you see someone like, I don't know, Ryan Fraser, who's five foot two going for an overhead kick, you're probably not going to get the same arguments against that player um, if it was a handball there or a situation similar. So I think it was a tough one for the referee. I, I don't begrudge Mike Dean for making that decision, but I do agree with Lee. I think the handball rule definitely needs fine tuning for next season, 100%. Well, I tell you what, if there was ever a referee who didn't need an excuse to give a, give a penalty and become centre stage, it was it was Mike <laughs> Dean and his fancy new little beard he's got going on, isn't it? But there you go. That's I mean, whatever you think. I think maybe maybe Matt Doherty with the only way he could have got that uh, got that decision is take a full on kick to the face and miss the rest of the season with concussion after being booted in the face by Chris Wood. But it is what it is. I suppose that was that was a situation where if if you agree, I don't know. It's it is it's always going to be a great one, isn't it, handball? But I'm sure that'll keep us going on future podcasts for the next ten years, however long we however long we do this podcast for. I'm sure we'll never ever stop talking about the handball rule. So, you know, stick with us on that one. But for now, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and after the break, we're going to look back at uh, we're going to look forward, sorry, to uh, tonight's action because there's another another four games to go, and uh, again, it's the Europa League and uh, Champions League race that is coming into focus so join us after this football social daily spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com over 18s only terms and conditions apply please play responsibly be football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Welcome back to uh, Football Social Daily. We've got four games coming up for you tonight, but before let me tell you that every every one of those four games is going to be previewed on our website, our brand new website. Just go to www.sport-social.co.uk and we get every Premier League preview and match report as soon as the uh, the final whistle goes on there. And you can also get it via your smart speaker by just asking your smart speaker, play the latest Arsenal news or Man City news or whichever team you support and there'll be live updates every day on there for you and that's the best way to keep up with the uh, with the latest news from the Premier League because there is a hell of a lot of news coming out lately isn't there let's be honest uh, as I said there's another four games tonight there's two games at six o'clock uh, we start with uh, Everton and Everton host Aston Villa and we're gonna switch our attention to the bottom of the league now because Aston Villa are pretty much they look doomed, don't they? But they had a little bit of a uh, little bit more of a chance by by beating Crystal Palace last time out. So, Lee, it's your it's your Midlands rivals, Aston Villa. You might not want to say too much uh, pleasant about them, but 
have they got a, a chance in beating Everton tonight? Is it? It's kind of last chance saloon now, isn't it? They've got three uh, three games to go and four points to make up. So if they don't win tonight, uh, come Friday night when Watford play West Ham, that could be almost almost end dead and buried, couldn't it? Yeah, um, they have to win. It's as simple as that for them. You know, every time they seem to pick up a result, it's when everyone else has picked up a result. So all they're doing is keeping themselves in touch with everybody else. Um, it's interesting, you know, they went, they actually went out um, against Crystal Palace today and went out to win. And you could see that the, you know, the way the players went out. And and I've got a, lot, a few friends who are Villa fans, and they were saying that, you know, it's the best attacking performance they've done. For a while, he actually went out with intent, showed the intensity they needed to show, um, and it's interesting that they've left it till now. And I think that'll be there. If it's not Dean Smith's biggest regret, it should be that he hasn't attacked the league as we should have done. Because you know they've got they have got a bit in their locker. I, I don't think they. I mean, they had a big scramble for players uh, at the very start of the season because obviously going through the playoffs is always difficult to to get the players in. Um, and he was a he was a big one to turn around, but I thought they were they were heading in the right direction just after Christmas, and then you know they seem to go to places and not try. And if you if you follow some of the the Villa fans on Twitter, uh, or you listen, or I get to see a lot of the ranting um, because of my friends and stuff. Uh, you know that, that is their thing is that they uh, they just regret the fact they go they go into fixtures going to lose. You know they go to Man United, they'll go to City, they'll go. And, not try and win the game or no one seems to have a game plan to win the game. They'll just go and kind of accept the fact that they've lost the game um, and then they'll try and pick up points against the other teams. And then if that fails, you know, you're you in the situation that you're in. I think they've got a good chance against um, Everton though. I, I really do. I think, um, you know, there's a bit of confidence in there. I think you've, they've got to get, you know, I know, I know they've got, it feels like they're a one-man team with Grealish, but they've got to get him on the ball. Uh, and if they can get him work in the midfield, I mean Everton, you know they're hit and miss. You never know with Everton what you're going to get. It's one week you get a great performance, the next week you get below par. And if Ever- if Villa get the below par Everton tonight, I think they beat them. And and I really hope they do because it'd be good for Midlands football to keep them up there. You know, I mean everybody's raving about how great it is to have, will be to have Leeds back in the Premier League because they're this big club. Well, there's no, you know, in terms of big clubs, Villa are huge. You know, they've got pretty much the whole of the Midlands back them. You know, they've got a huge stadium. It'd be great to, to see them successful up there. As much as I hate saying that because I'm a West Brom fan, but, they, you know, there's a lot of history at, um, with Villa. And I think, I really hope they stay up and I really hope they, they give these last few games a go. But well, they've got it to stay up. And I think they'll, you know, if they do win tonight, they've got a real chance of getting out of it. That's surprisingly pragmatic, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with anything that Lee said. I think Aston Villa are a massive club. I mean, they're one of a handful of European Cup winners from this country, which often goes forgotten. I think 1982, they won the European Cup, which is an incredible achievement. As he says, you know, the biggest club in the Midlands. And I don't think there's anyone that can argue with that. Um, And if you are, then uh, I feel sorry for you that you have to go down that route because it's just simply not the case. They do have a big stadium. Um, We've seen, you know, FA Cup semi-finals played at Villa Park in the past. I think World Cup games in 66 were played there. So, you know, they are a huge football club, but... As Lee says, and the fans are disappointed about it too, they've only really got themselves to blame um, because the way they've gone into some of these games, they've been wholly dependent on Jack Grealish. Their their signings in the summer, I think, have been bang average at best. Um, 
I've come on the podcast before and slagged off Wesley. I mean, I'm happy to do that again because I know he's been injured, but I don't think he's been the, the perfect fit for them, to be honest. Um, buying someone from the Belgian league to come into the Premier League and fire you to, to a solid finish, I don't think is the most um, wise of things to have done. Maybe slightly naive from Aston Villa. I mean, they were su- they suffered with the injury to Tom Heaton really badly. I think Pepe Reina has been dreadful since he's come in. Um, a shadow of the former keeper he was at Liverpool. So yeah, I think that they, they do have their problems at Aston Villa. I know they've had injuries and stuff like that. But the real killer blow for them was, as you mentioned a minute ago, Marley, the fact that they did win last time out, but they made up absolutely no ground because Watford won, West Ham won, and Bournemouth won last time out. So that's that's the damaging blow for Aston Villa, that they did pick up three vital points, but it didn't gain them any ground in the race for survival. They will have a bit of a sniff for this game, knowing that Bournemouth have lost and they've slipped up, and knowing that West Ham and Watford play against each other. So a win or a draw is a good result for Aston Villa in, in, in that um, scenario because either one or one of West Ham or Watford sorry will be hovering above that relegation zone regardless of the results so it does give them a glimmer of hope to catch but like Lee says they have to win tonight if they don't win tonight I think that is curtains you couldn't you couldn't really ask for a, a better team to play could you than Everton I mean they're marooned they've got they've got nothing to play for they're I know they're at home uh, they're still in transition under under Ancelotti they looked they looked bloody awful against Wolves the last time uh, last time they played so I mean, this is this is a massive chance, isn't it, for Villa? Yeah, a oh, huge chance. And and the thing is with Everton, it is the fact that they've of their six games, won two, drawn two, lost two. It's a complete mixed bag. Carlo Ancelotti doesn't know what he's going to get when he dips his hand into the lucky dip. He doesn't know what he's going to get. He's going to get a win, draw, or loss. He's got no idea. And I think that's the thing. However, these are the sort of games in which Aston Villa should have been picking up points throughout the course of the season and they haven't done, which is why they're down there. I think their last Premier League victory, uh, aside from last time out when they did win, before that was against Bournemouth back in February. So, you know, I mean, they've not picked up wins on on the reg enough. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, Everton are are a good, good team to be facing at this moment in time, especially with, as I mentioned before, Watford and West Ham facing off. You you couldn't have asked for a better team than Everton, but you just never know what you're going to get with the Toffees. That's the thing. Well, we'll stay in the we'll stay in the bottom half now uh, because we've got another bottom half clash, a South Coast clash. As Niall would, uh, I'm sure Niall would disagree that it's the the absolute number one South Coast derby going on uh, in the Premier League. <laughs> well, in the Premier League at least. With uh, we've got Brighton, uh, Brighton uh, visit Southampton tonight. Um, Lee, are, are both sides? I mean, Brighton aren't technically safe, but they they seem safer than than West Ham and Watford, don't they? And is is it both teams just looking forward to next season now and and seeing what they've got and what they need? To go into the new the new season, or should Brighton still be uh, still be worried? No, I, I think Brighton are fine. I mean, you look at if you look at it, I mean, there's a you know depending on what the Villa do, uh, there's a five point cushion uh, off Bournemouth. So we've what three uh, two games to go after that. There's no way Bournemouth are going to claw that back. Um, so yeah, I think Brighton should will end up being, finishing safe now. They'll look at next season and start to rebuild Southampton they might have some higher aspirations um, for next season uh, I was watching something with uh, I think it was the game the other night um, was it the Man United game when obviously they scored last minute and you got Matt Letizia looking uh, I hate that man ever. what's that sorry I hate that man so much <laughs> but uh, he was saying that you know they should be aspiring to top half next year and they probably 
they probably should be. Uh, you know, and I think both clubs, they're just, for me, they're just, they're clubs that all just dwindle now. For there's, there's a certain number of clubs that you're in the Premier League and you're there and you make up the numbers. You don't really do anything in terms of going down. You're not doing anything in terms of going up. Um, West Brom sat there for years and I was pretty pleased about it all. But you've kind of, you've got no aspirations um, to kind of do anything else because uh, you haven't, you don't want to make the financial gamble of trying to get up there and you don't want to risk um, going down. So I think they, yeah, then they're just floating clubs. Unfortunately, there's not really a lot of interest and interesting points to say about even other than at some point Brighton probably will get sucked in. Um, a bit like Bournemouth have now. Bournemouth were one of those clubs that were floating for a bit. And eventually, the the league gets you and drags you back in, and you end up in the uh, in the Championship. And I think both of those clubs just uh, they'll be planning to just avoid a relegation battle next year. Unfortunately, I don't think I don't think any of them either of them can really aspire to much more than mid table. I know that probably sounds harsh for any Brighton or Southampton fan on the on the podcast who's listening, but. You know, that's how, you know, there are a number of clubs in the league that are like that. Burnley are like that as well. You know, Newcastle could be in that situation. I mean, I think eventually West Ham will get sucked in, which if they don't go this year. But yeah, I think it's just one of they're just those two clubs will just be, how do we fight next year to, to stay at the, <laughs> at the relegation battle? It's a good point, Lee, because I've had arguments with my mates down the pub before not arguments but debates where we've taken a, the back of a beer mat and written down our ideal Premier League one to twenty. So you've always got the the teams in there. United's the top six traditionally, and City and all that stuff. Newcastle are in there. We always put Villa in there. And interestingly enough, Southampton never feature. Brighton never feature. Pompey, my club, never feature. We've always got Leeds, Nottingham Forest, and that in there. And I think what you're finding with the Premier League at the moment is you've got the likes of Watford, Burnley. Brighton, Southampton, Bournemouth, you know, clubs like that. I mean, Huddersfield last season, even Crystal Palace, you could argue that there are they're smaller clubs that are arguably punching above their weight and, you know, are trying their hardest to remain Premier League clubs, which is admirable. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, in terms of what people want to watch and, you know, the argument that football is an entertainment game and they want to watch the big clubs and broadcasting companies are interested in screening the big games with the big teams. Like if Leeds come up next season, it's a wet dream for the broadcasters because, you know, Leeds are going to come on massive viewing figures on the telly. There's derbies with United. Leeds versus United is going to be a big one. So, so yeah, I, I think that you're right. I do think there are a few teams knocking around in the Premier League at the moment that maybe don't have the global fan base that um, the top flight will have been expecting. I'm not suggesting that there's any foul play there, but it is quite interesting that one of these games tonight Brighton against them lot is not going to there's not going to be too many arguments over the TV remote for that one I don't think Football Social Daily Shock as Niall lays into Southampton is going to be the headliner headline tomorrow <laughs> um, alright let's move on Niall's clearly clearly done talking about Southampton for now uh, let's move on um, Crystal Palace I mean you mentioned Crystal Palace there Niall um, they've lost their last five they host Man United tonight I think uh, that should You'd be amazed if Crystal Palace wouldn't uh, got anything there, wouldn't you, Niall? I think with Man United, the pressure's really on them now to to overtake Leicester. Leicester got a tough game at Sheffield United tonight. Obviously, uh, will will Man United finally clinch fourth place tonight? Oh, it's a t- it's a tough one. Maybe, maybe. Um, I think Crystal Palace fans are really disappointed with the way that the last four or five games have turned out for them because. You see where Burnley are now, 10th, 9th in the table. That was where Crystal Palace were 
and they were in with an outside chance of getting a Europa League spot and that would have been huge for the club because as I mentioned just a couple of seconds ago I think they're a, they're a club that are probably punching above their weight really um, and it's one of those things where you know they were so close to possibly mounting a bit of a charge for those Europa League spots and it's not happened for them that you know the fans are slightly disappointed I know Roy Hodgson's complained about not being able to sign players in recent years Crystal Palace need direction I don't think they've got it I don't think they've got it they've got a stable manager in Roy Hodgson who will keep them up in the Premier League they're not giving Roy Hodgson money to spend even less likely now that coronavirus has happened and his contract's up next summer so where do they go post Roy Hodgson Crystal Palace and I think it's a question they really need to start thinking about now for when you know uh, the veteran leaves because when he does go stability is likely going to drop and depending on who they employ as manager um, it's going to be interesting to see how they get on particularly with some of their best players continue, continually being picked up you think of the likes of Wan-Bissaka and it's probably likely that Zaha might get a move as well this summer so yeah it'd be interesting to see how they get on um, and it's a weird one with Palace they can often make things difficult for the bigger teams and they've not disgraced themselves really in any way this season or even post restart really I mean they lost 4-0 to Liverpool but Liverpool were just on fire that day but you know, I, I just feel that Crystal Palace, when they turn up, they can be a match for, for any team in the Premier League. And that's the problem with them. They don't turn up regularly enough. But Manchester United, with the form that they're in, you'd fancy them. Even that draw late on against Southampton last time out, that was a bit of a damaging blow. They had a real chance to go into third place in the Premier League table. Didn't happen for them. Conceded late. Everyone could kind of see it come in. This is the real test, how you bounce back from a late blow like that. Um, I always also found that when Fernandez and Pogba went off, they just completely, not fell to pieces, but they lost all potency. Manchester United, when Pogba and Fernandez made way. So I think that's the key. I mean, already we're seeing Manchester United, such a huge club, rely on their two best players, which is understandable for any side. But when you're a club as prestigious as Manchester United, you'd be expecting that even without Fernandez or Pogba or both, you'd be able to turn in a performance good enough to beat Crystal Palace or beat Southampton or, or whatever. But we'll have to wait and see what happens because as they say, it's it's not about how you go down, it's about how you get back up. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Manchester United. I, I think they will win tonight, whether it be convincing or not, like some of their other wins post-restart, I'm not so sure, but I do think they'll have enough to do the business over Palace. Do you agree, Lee? I think uh, I mean, with with Palace's form, you can't see anything other than, other than a Man United win, can you? I don't think so. No, I think United are now getting back. I mean, they're now getting back to that stage that they were at um, around, Fer- you know, towards the end of Ferguson, where you just know you can start to guarantee they're going to get results. If that makes sense, you know, you kind of go into a game knowing that they're likely. The likelihood is they're going. They're going to. Um, they're going to win this game. I think. For, I think we, I do agree with Nile that you know the other night when you know Fernandez. And Pogba came off. They did seem to lose their way a little bit, but I think that's just where Man United are at the moment. You know, every, everybody was. You remember where they've come from? Christmas time. Everyone was, you know, saying how poor they were. Uh, Pogba was injured, and Fernandez wasn't in the squad or wasn't even in the club at that point. Um, so they've come a long way, and they're starting to show great signs of recovery. I agree that this is a big test for them because they've got to bounce back. However, if you'd have asked me um, pre-lockdown. Uh, whether this is a tough game, I'd have said yes, because Palace away is a tough game, and we all know what it's like there. The atmosphere, the, the fans are on top of you. It's old school, and as Nas said, that you know they they have got a knack of making it difficult for the big teams. Not so sure that um, 
and the ground holds the same you know it has it has the same kind of at, it really definitely doesn't have the same atmosphere so we won't have the same feel to it and and you just kind of feel that united should just go in there and if they if they score early which they have been doing of late then they'll 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 trample all over palace if palace and you know palace got nothing to play for there you know another side sitting in the mid table nothing left they'll say they've lost the last five you can't see anything other than the united win tonight um and they they, they should move into uh, top 4 um i think yeah well uh, one one thing i was just looking at there i think if uh, if man united do go into that you know everyone's talking about if leicester lose but even if Leicester win and Man United win, Man United could overtake them on goal difference because Leicester's goal difference is only three better than Man United at the minute. So we could have the situation tonight where uh, Leicester beat Sheffield United 1-0, for example, and Man United beat Crystal Palace 4-0, and they would go above them on goals scored. So it makes it even harder for, for Leicester what they're, uh, what they're trying to do. But Let's look at Leicester to uh, to finish off because they play Sheffield United as expected. Um, they seem to have they seem to have really blown it, don't they? I think if you look at their fixtures, they've got three games left. They've got Sheffield United tonight, then they've got Spurs on Sunday, and then they've got Man United in the in the final game. Have have they have they blown it? Have they gone too far? Have they have they rode there? They rode their look a little bit in that post uh, that post Christmas form. Is that really knackered the Nile? Because it's not out of the realms of possibility that they could finish as low as eighth if they lose their last three games. They could finish eighth, and imagine. I mean, they they were second in the league at sort of October November time, weren't they? And they they look like the closest challengers to Liverpool for a long time, and then they had third nailed and cemented in, and all of a sudden. After after lockdown, a few injuries and a few bad results, they could finish as low as seventh or eighth. Yes, mate, they've blown it. To put it simply, they have blown it for me. I think you know, get them. It's a shame we don't have the cliche bell anymore because this is the biggest one of them all. A season is over thirty-eight games, and uh, you know, and after maybe half of those games, Leicester were in a really good position. But since the turn of the year, since Christmas, since Jamie Vardy didn't score a goal for three months, the longest barren spell in his career. They've been shocking by their standards that they set at the start of the season. They've been shocking. And if they don't finish in the top four, they've only got themselves to blame. I think at one point they had a nine point cushion to the Europa League spots. And everyone was saying, listen, Leicester are playing really well. Their defence looks solid. Um, Shaglas Oyunshu has been a brilliant replacement for Harry Maguire. Well, you've got to remember that they're not going to have Chaglas Oyunshu for the next three games because of violent conduct. And as you've mentioned, those three games are against really difficult teams around them. Now, if they had kept up that nine-point cushion and managed to maintain some sort of form, either in Project Restart or even post-Christmas, where they started slipping then, they might have felt comfortable-ish with being able to get a point or two points or maybe three points out of these three games and still have enough to cling on to a top-four spot. Now, as it stands, they're going into these final three games knowing that they haven't got an opportunity to slip up because they've slipped up too much before. Whereas those final three games, if they had lost all three, they still might have been able to scrape a top four position. But as you say, Marley, now they could end up finishing as low as eighth, which I think would be a disaster of a season considering where they started and how they began. It would be an absolutely, you know, capitulation. That's the word word I'm thinking of. It would be capitulation for Leicester. And people might say that, oh, you're being a bit harsh on Leicester. Maybe they were punching above your weight. Yeah, but they, they might have been. But they had it all in their hands. They had such a good advantage. And as you mentioned, they have blown it. 
And I think Leicester have only got themselves to blame. For me, the key is Chelsea. Chelsea have got some tough games coming up. I think Chelsea are the key because they're the ones in pole position. They're the ones now with the uh, the four-point cushion. They're the ones with it all in their hands. So if they stuff up, then it's up to the other teams to kind of take advantage and capitalise. So I think it all kind of rides on Chelsea with how the fourth and fifth placed conundrum um, sorts itself out. But yeah, to answer your question, Marley, Leicester have bottled it. They would be absolutely disappointed with how they've uh, ended the season. And, you know, I think they've only got themselves to blame. And you talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Well, Chaglasunchu has been excellent for them this season. Kicking out against Callum Wilson when they lost to Bournemouth. Missing the next... I mean, losing to Bournemouth is pretty shocking in itself, considering the form that they were in. And, you know, he's going to miss the next few games. And really, with the form Leicester are in against the sides they're coming up against, can you see them winning these games convincingly? Not at all. So for me, yeah, they've they've blown their chance. Well, Lee Nile mentioned it there. I think the uh, the defence has been the issue for for Leicester. I think they've lost Pereira for the rest of the season. I think Sunchu is obviously suspended now for the final two games. I think Ben Chilwell's still got a knock. I'm not sure if he'll play tonight. But I don't know if you've ever seen you know that gif of uh, John Travolta where he's just looking round and and as if to say, "Where's everyone gone?" I think that's Johnny Evans right now because he's the only defender they've got. I mean, Ryan Bennett's been playing the last couple of games and I've, I've seen Ryan Bennett come on against Bournemouth and I just saw he looked a bit like a, a competition winner in a full kit just getting out there and he, he looked completely <laughs> streets behind the likes of, you know, Soyuncu and Pereira and stuff like that. But do you think, do you agree with Niall Lee? I think if they, uh, can, could they hang on to it? Because, I mean, Jamie Vardy's got this amazing record against the against the top six, so it doesn't really matter who he plays, he's always a threat, but are Leicester too depleted to uh, to hit them heights of the of earlier this season? Uh, yeah, in a nutshell. I think they've they've lost the confidence and you look at the you look at the clubs around them, you know, United are flying at the minute, they're in really good form, the mentality's good. You know, that you know, Ollie's got one eye on he's probably got his eyes on third rather than fourth. So that's where United are looking at. Uh, I agree with Niall around Chelsea. I mean, they've got two tough fixtures left um, around with Liverpool and Liverpool and Wolves. Uh, but you know, I just can't see Leicester pulling themselves out of it. You do wonder how much the the cup competitions have drained them this year as well. They've, they went they went a long way in both competitions um, to not actually to get anywhere. You know, certainly not get to the final, especially in the in the Carabao. And you and you you do wonder if that's knocked their confidence a bit. On top of that, Madison, um, I think he's injured. He, he's he obviously hasn't been performed as well. And and Harvey Barnes, who's kind of the replacement for him. I mean, I I watched him for half a season last year. He was brilliant, but maybe it's a season too early for him. And maybe that is the case. He, he's got a young squad there as well. You know, let's not forget this. And maybe it is just a season too early uh, for Leicester, and they'll come again next year. I think if they finish eighth it will be it will be a disaster. Um it can for where they were at Christmas. But this is such of the league, you know, this is how it works out and I was right, it's over a thirty eight game period. Everyone wrote Man United off at Christmas and you now they could finish third. You know, it's thirty eight games I mean you know, Project Restarts obviously had a huge impact on the whole thing and, you know, it may not have been such a disaster for them had the season continued. But they were in a downward slope going into it. And what you tend, what you do tend to find is that clubs. I mean, if you think about clubs that finish the season well, tend tend to start the season well, and clubs who finish poorly start the season poorly. It's just all about momentum, and you gotta say, lesser momentum is shocking. I mean, I just can't see how they're gonna 
I'm looking at, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and write Sheffield United off ever again after, like I say, two weeks ago, I'd pretty much put them on the beach and they've come back stronger. And I think they've got a really tough game tonight, Leicester. And yeah, I, I just see United being fourth by the end of the night. But then my predictions are awful, so you'll, they'll probably go and win that <laughs> and United lose. So. <laughs> Lee, it's a, it's a common, uh, it's a well-known thing that uh, you can only be part of this podcast if you have absolutely terrible predictions. It's just the way it is. That's, that's like the entry-level thing. I mean, anyone that's, that's listened to us for the past, uh, the past couple of years or however long we've been doing this now, it feels like years, just this season alone. But the uh, anyone that, that will follow our advice and you know, back back the teams we back in in terms of betting um we can only apologize for the money you've lost over the uh over the months because we usually get it wrong but we'll uh we'll we'll leave it there for tonight because we've looked at everything uh all the four games tonight we've looked back at the three games last night common consensus is that leicester will leicester will blow it man united are going to finish third and uh, Sheffield United are back in the race. So if there's anything you can learn from that, it's that none of those things will happen. And uh, you'll come back tomorrow, and we'll be uh, we'll we'll all be saying things like, "Well, I didn't see that coming," and "I can't believe they won that," and "I can't believe this happened and that happened." But join us again tomorrow because that's when we'll be back, looking back at the four fixtures tonight. Um, we've been looking through everything, and as you'll know. Um, it'll all be wrong so there you go thank you Lee thank you Niall for your contributions cheers mate cheers and join us again tomorrow on the podcast and make sure you subscribe to all our social media channels it's at the Sports Social on Twitter search Sports Social on Facebook and Sports Social Official on Instagram you can get loads more updates and uh, little tidbits of information from around the world and all the different uh, leagues that are going on all the headlines from around the world but join us on there and join us again tomorrow when we will be looking back at the uh, at Thursday's action and previewing Friday Friday's action as well as looking forward to the weekend's FA Cup games as well. So join us then. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.